What's up, everybody? Stumbling into another episode of Breaking Brains and Building Hearts. I'm Brett Burchard, Chris McAllister, Jimmy Rory's. Excited to hang with you guys uh, after a little holiday weekend, some uh, rest and refreshing, some maybe some stress, maybe some some fun. But uh, excited to be back in the swing of things with you guys. Um, excited also to kind of start a little mini series um, related to seven mindsets uh, that we deem essential to world class performance. Um, and they're kind of the subject of the book Catching Confetti that we put out uh, in 2020. Beautiful cover. Thanks for sharing, Chris. And uh, I want to tell a quick story. And, and Chris, you probably remember it, um, but like the origins of where this came from. Uh, I was still traveling with the NBA at the time, working with the Phoenix Suns. And you know the travel schedule in the NBA is just, it's all over, right? It's hotels, you land at two in the morning, check in, wake up at eight to, to work again, but your sleep schedule's all jacked up. And, uh, and so my habit was when I couldn't sleep, well, I just watched random stuff on TV in a hotel and turned into a documentary. And now I can't remember the comedian, but it was about a, a stand-up comedian and just, just walking through his life and so many of the themes that uh, we talk about with, with the work we do with SightShift were coming up in this guy's life. And it hit me. I was like, what is, what is SightShift doing? What are we doing with the work we're, we're uh, engaged in? We're coaching mindsets. We are mindset training. And it, and it, uh, I started circling around these themes of like, what are the, what are the essential mindsets that, that we're helping people with? Uh, and, uh, and I, I remember Chris, do you remember this texting you and saying, yo, yeah, you called, you actually called, you were like, it's mindsets. And I was like, yeah. it is mindsets. <laughs> and we listed them out a little hotel pad, uh, of paper and listed out seven mindsets, uh, so excited to go through uh, the seven. Of course, we we refined them. My two a.m. brain wasn't as clear as my daily brain, but uh, refined them as we went. So excited to uh, to talk about these with you. Uh, the first one where we started was the idea of resilience and the resilient mindset. Um, and so before like any background uh, or or your know, definition of it. Jimmy, what, what comes to your mind when you, when you hear resilience or maybe a better question is like, when you, when you picture yourself being resilient, like what's the image you get? <laughs> uh, first image is, uh, you know, Superman, the bullets bouncing off Superman's chest when I was watching cartoons, maybe when I was maybe five or six years old or something like that. But uh, yeah, just that being that impenetrable body. Unstoppable. What are the, what are the bullets you like? Yeah. The most like common bullets you got to yeah. deflect. Well, I think, you know, the, the context for me today is sales, right? So one of the things we test for is resiliency 
We use assessments for it, but we also use difficult uh, interview sessions to see how resilient someone is. Uh, you can have resiliency in the context of a conversation. You can have resiliency in the context of a career, right? Um, or you know, after a loss, or after uh, maybe a very tough, un, you know, unhappy or unsettling engagement with a client. You know, there's all kinds of things I can think of. Maybe the last uh, Apple support person I talked to and their level of resilience on the phone. So I think <laughs> of <laughs> I think of all kinds of things. Uh, but those bullets for me represent, you know, any anything that might um, create an emotional response that forces me into a place that I don't want to be or that I wouldn't choose to be. So do I allow the forces around me to create a shift in my mindset or in the way that I think about myself or in the plan that I have that that maybe raises fear, uncertainty, or, or doubt for me or causes me to respond emotionally, which means I'm not engaged thoughtfully. I'm just kind of responding and reacting. My head isn't in the game. My head is in how I feel versus what moves I have to take next. Mm. Mm. Does that, does that connect? Yeah. I mean, for me, it does. Yeah, Cause I think true. about the right now resilience, the way the word shows up for me, Brett is the, how, how, what am I trying to do? And if, if it's not going, if it's harder than I thought it would be, uh, why is that? Do I need to change my approach? Do I need to train, you know, does something need to change? Or is it because this is trying to get an unusual result? Um, and, and you guys both know I value intuition, zigging when people zag, that non-obvious move that helps you level up in a way that other people are applying effort and circling the mountain continually. But I do think when you're trying to do something enduring and powerful and impactful, you're you know, if it were easy, everybody would do it. It's cliche, but true. So like for me, the second year full time of doing site shift was really just trading my hours for dollars and coaching people. And I broke six figures, but that didn't feel amazing. That didn't feel, you know, just like graduating from college didn't feel amazing because I was like, well, what's next? Uh, I knew there was more after that. And uh, of course, I thought when I finished my dissertation and got a doctorate that that would do it. And of course, it didn't uh, because that can be something flawed within you or it could be that you're expanding to the next horizon. Your why on that is huge. But when I walk around right now and I'm in those moments where I'm getting back up or I'm losing heart and want to quit and I'm walking and processing this, uh, even if it's something I don't want to quit overall, but there's a small part I want to quit, the resiliency for me is... Um, how to tap into that desire and motivation in a really true way. What, what's lighting me up right now? Well, what's been lighting me up for years, but is coming into sharper focus with, with you guys and the team that we're building out is how to help other coaches break through those barriers, right? Impact people, change lives, make an impact, have fun and, and make a great income. And so I have to get that why 
separate from who I am, which obviously is what we talk about a lot, so that I can enjoy who I am as a person apart from the journey and the results, but then let that why be an authentic overflow of my desire and check in on that. Because if it's not, I'm probably pursuing something I don't care about as much as I think I can or as much as I think I do, I should say. And then you're suffering needlessly. Hmm. Question for you on that, Chris. Um, you talk about like servicing, like what excites you, you know, what you're, um, you know, uh, what you're thrilled to do and, and, you know, where that motivation's coming from. Uh, but there are things in life like that we have to do, whether we feel like it or not. Like we don't, we don't want to, but we need to do this. Like there's elements to a business or family obligations or, you know, just responsibilities. Um, there's also, you know, things that we need to get done so we can get what we want, you know, even though we don't really like that part of the process. So how do you juggle these? Like, we can't just like move at the whim of whatever we desire to do today. You know, we also need some discipline and, and focus to, to do the things we don't feel like doing because they're necessary to get what we want to get. For me, I'm best motivated when those are framed in terms of relational commitments. So even things like getting the books done these years uh, happened even in the spite of everything else going on because I made a commitment publicly through a book campaign that I will get this book to you. And that relation, and this isn't true for everybody, but this is something I've learned about myself the last four or five years. In a relational commitment, I can endure any sacrifice, I mean, in, relatively speaking, but there have been massive severe tests and the massive severe tests never go in the books or podcasts and they can't. You guys know those tests, but the world won't. Um, in the relational commitment, the resilient mindset shows up to do those things that you may not want to do because I care about you as a person and I care about a relationship and and our we are relating into a vision, an expanding vision, my partnership with you guys, with my wife, with my kids, friends, whatever. And by having those in place, that is how I do it. So part of that is having organizational meetings where I'm doing what I said I would, or I'm explaining why I didn't because a better path emerged. Achievement, performance, and money alone aren't enough for me. It doesn't mean it's bad if it is for somebody else. That's just for me. I can't get excited about just doing something that I don't want to do because I am ruined. And I have been for a long time. I mean, I've been kind of doing what I want to do since like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. What's that look like for you, Jimmy? You come across the things that like you have to do, but you don't really want to do, you know, how do you prioritize like following your desires and, and your, your curiosities and enthusiasm versus, you know, uh, being true to your obligations and your responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just was actually talking to my wife about this this morning on our morning walk. Uh, it's, it's hard as hell, you know, to, to, to get through a, a, a calendar for me or a schedule of shit that I just don't want to do, man. I mean, my idea of, you know, living the dream is no, you know, no deadlines or commitments, 
but I really look at deadlines and commitments as the as the as things I've committed to that I that really don't give me energy. They, they suck energy out, out of me. So, so the first thing I do is try to make as few of those as I can. And if I'm if I am, then I really examine the business that I'm in and what I'm doing because, um, you know, I'm the one responsible for putting myself in those situations. So my life is a constant examination of. Is this something I'm ever going to do again or ever going to commit to again if I have the choice? And to Chris's point, you know, I think for all of us, you know, we all have to be thinking about what makes us happy and what um, things we choose to tolerate. And why the hell are we tolerating this shit, right? What, what, what story do we tell ourselves that, 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 um, that says you have to do this, like you can't live a, a different life. So I'm always examining that and uh, you know trying to <laughs> trying to get past that because I I mean yeah man if I if if I'm learning or if I'm doing something that gives me energy man it's like I don't need a schedule I don't need a commitment I don't need anything that's gonna you know any any kind of manipulation to to invest the time or the energy in it. I'm there. I'm doing it. It's awesome. It's exciting. It's fun. So for me, it's all about optimizing those situations and doing the most that I can to get rid of the shit that I just have to tolerate. Um, I don't. And I don't know where that fits into the conversation around resilience, but um, um, that's where my head's at. Well, yeah. I, for me, and I want to hear what you would say to this, Brett. But this is a further insight that I've been thinking a lot about the last couple of weeks. Um, this idea of resilience. You know, you you can gut it out, but it's like I see so many people in hustle culture gut it out and then tolerate a less than powerful result. Um, I want to make sure that when I'm getting a less than powerful result, I'm adjusting. I know the result that we get with coaching or I can get with my speaking or whatever. Why do things that aren't that? It doesn't mean my home life is always going to be that. But the only places that I want to put a lot of attention and time into that would be the the context of commitments like this, like our team meeting that happens after this recording. Um, but then in the summer, it's different. So here's what's weird. You think about the life of people that do work like we do for a lot of at least developed, organized human history, the last few hundred years, you would take off in the summer more, right? People had summer cottages and summer homes and and it was a different schedule. And I can tell you for sure that like nine months out of the year when we're when our meeting is scheduled, I don't want to do anything else other than be at our meeting. And if it's raining, then I only want to be at our meeting. If it's sunny and pretty, <laughs> then I want our meeting, but I also want to make sure I have plenty of time to walk around outside and enjoy it. So that is something that I've been really noticing the last few summers but ever in stronger ways. That's yeah, as it that's good. As it as it relates to um resilience, what I'm hearing is like learning to play a different game. Like I, I'm with you, Jimmy. You know, I, I made a commitment like two weeks ago and uh and as soon as I agreed to do it, like no sooner than I hung up the phone was I hoping something would happen that we had to cancel. <laughs> and it was like, 
Like in your, and I'm thinking, why did I even say yes? If that's mm-hmm. the way I was, but it's paying attention to that, like that desire afterwards, you know, beforehand, I wanted the commitment because I wanted, you know, to be needed or I wanted the worth, like I wanted to be relevant. <laughs> and then after I made the commitment, I was like, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and so paying attention to that desire and, and, um, and understand, you know, that feeling to help you say yes or no. Um, but what I was getting to, and this is kind of a clunky segue, but um, when I'm thinking about resilience, it's like, it is playing a different game. Um, and two ways to describe it. One is like uh, in, in basketball, we, we had this like stubborn resilience of you can't stop me. Like I'm gonna do what I do, how I do it, and no one's gonna change me. A different game, resilience, you can't make me quit. Mm. I may change my tactics, I may change my approach, I may find a new way forward. Uh, I'm not gonna do it the same way every time if I'm still getting the same results that I don't want. But I'm not gonna stop trying. I'm gonna iterate, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna be malleable and resilient. And um, so, you know, when I was talking about the image, uh, uh, when I asked you about the image, uh, Jimmy, like there is a part of you that's like impenetrable, you know, the Superman. But it's for me, it's more like the Matrix. I'm not watching those bullets not penetrate me. I'm like, I'm moving with them, you know, I'm dodging them and, and I'm finding my best way. I'm time slowing down and I'm and I'm learning a new way forward. The other image I have about that is like, I think we think of resilience or mental toughness like playing tug of war. So we're holding on to one end of the rope and on the other end is our obstacles or our challenges, uh, our setbacks, um, the thing we're fighting against. And every single, every single setback, loss, mistake, failure, chips away at our grip on the rope. And the people who win the game are the ones who have enough energy to hang on to the rope the longest. Mm, that's awesome. And what I say when we're trying to develop resilience, yeah, exhausting, right? And what I say when we try to develop resilience is don't pick up the rope. Like, what if I was in a situation where, uh, like, I, or get to the end of your rope as quickly as you can? You know, what are the things that would make me quit that would, that would, that would end me, that would make me lose the game. And if I can solve those things mentally, then I can keep playing as long as it takes and keep finding new ways forward. Hmm. Um, that's kind of the, the image I got, uh, I get when I talk about or think about resilience, mental toughness. Where does that land with you, Jimmy? I mean, it's, it's all good. I think, I think what's really interesting is, you know, perspective, right? I mean, that image of uh the you know the uh the tug of war that's a to me that's a competitive analogy and so for those of us who view ourselves as competing and having resiliency in the in the you know in the throes of competition when you're going to be challenged and pushed to the limit and all that stuff you know, we love those. I mean, I love those kinds of competitive situations because I'm competing against myself. 
the other person presents the um, you know the challenge. But really, for me, it's about how I respond to that challenge. And so I'm competing against myself, defeating myself so that I can you know reach and redefine my potential. So you know I, I identify with those competitive situations. Um, but what's cool is that this concept of resilience. I think what we're talking about today is that it can exist in so many different ways, so many different places, so many different contexts, you know, and uh, that that image of the bullets bouncing off or even bullets flying at you and you dodging them. That is, you know, that's another kind of uh, it's another analogy that either evokes competition or of just evokes the fact that, you know, we are surrounded by naysayers, by um, ideas and thoughts that compete with what's best for us. And we're constantly (laughs) needing to identify that stuff and defend against that stuff. It's just the human condition. You can't be among others and not be uh, challenged by that. So there's another... It's another way of looking at resilience in a competitive context. I'm now competing against or competing with voices that oppose what I want to do, my self-view, the vision that I have, the risks that I want to take, the challenges that I want to achieve or, or pursue. People that know better that, you know, or whatever, uh, or have different ideas, different views. You know, so I, I think it's, it is interesting to, interesting to explore all these uh, and explore kind of which ones we as individuals all kind of like identify with, and then which ones we may want to work on to improve, not just improve our resiliency, but just improve the quality of our lives and the joy that we get out of our lives. How we engage that. This is like firing on all cylinders for me now in a beautiful way as far as what you're saying there, Jimmy, uh, paying attention to how we're engaging you know, the problem that surfaces the need for resilience and what you're saying, Brett, about playing a higher game. So you gave the Superman analogy. uh, And then I intrinsically looked in real quick and I was like, okay, right now, what's the visual I'm using to frame my resilience? And what does that say? Because your brain thinks in analogy and metaphor and whether or not you know it, and if you've never surfaced the visual of it, when you surface the visual of it, it will usually reveal a way to work on your mindset. So even while we've been talking, I was like, okay, the way I've been picturing mine lately is by getting back up. But how he gets back up so it's getting knocked down and getting up, getting knocked down and getting up. It's the Teddy Roosevelt quote, you know, you're in the arena. Um, but how he's getting back up, he's getting back up a little tired and he's getting up back up a little uh, mopey, a little, you know, within himself. And so what I'm really inspired by is seeing that, owning that, not shaming that or fighting that and going, okay, why is that happening right now? Because I feel like as I've turned the chapter personally and we've turned the chapter into new focused expanded direction where we're headed we've over the last nine months found a lot of ways things haven't worked we found some things that have worked and i think that's healthy i mean you got lots of experiments you're running but i don't want to have that be the organizing metaphor anymore i want the organizing metaphor to be playing a higher level game 
that I'm not right. in the arena getting knocked down. I'm I'm outside the arena or standing up high wa- watching what's happening and I'm learning the non-obvious intuitive moves that that help me transcend the current game because like what has got me to this point has been transcending the game. Not worried about the game others are playing, but truly playing the one I want to play. Yes, Rene Girard talks about we're mimetic beings and we copy and the talent code. You know, he talks about this. You can only go into what you often see others do because few people can imagine something in a blank context, but we can because we know how to do that. We have the skills to do it. So I'm inspired now at a whole nother level to do some work on myself with that and see what analogy or metaphor. This has been a powerful moment for me. I got to write this down, man. (laughs) I love that idea of, of, you know, like the brain organizing around uh, the metaphors. We kind of get into that in the, in the visionary mindset, but um, you know, it's such a helpful tool to surface, like how, where your mindset is, like how you're thinking about things, what's, what's really guiding your approach to these different subjects. Um, You know, I, I think that helps helps people uh, uh, figure out how you're relating to that. You know, in, in the way we see resilience, like kind of what we're talking about is like you gotta you gotta do certain things and you gotta endure certain things. Like you know, it, it's it's kind of going out of style now. But you know, when I was playing college basketball, developing resilience or mental toughness was built by four months of conditioning, preseason conditioning on the track, you know, not even in the gym, like in a sweaty or or nasty, dirty, like weight room, you know, and that was supposed to develop our mental toughness and our resilience. And it's like, okay, you know, doing hard things helps you get stronger. You can grow from that can also make you worse, you know, based on how you relate to those hard things and, and frame them. Um, Improving my physical conditioning is important. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I don't, yeah, I'm tracking with you. Yeah. And, and improving my physical conditioning is helpful, you know, when we're doing sport and the, the demands that places on us. But, you know, but there's also another way to, de- to develop your resilience and, and mental toughness. So. Hmm. Sorry, what were you saying, Chris? Yeah, well, it's this idea of like white knuckling things gets you through some stuff. But after you've got to start paying attention to what's really happening, where you want to go with it, because if you're not that lack of honesty, you, what you develop is the beginning stage. Yes. People quit too soon. Don't be the kind of person who quits too soon. Stay with something. But, but in a more advanced stage, after you've really honed that ability to do hard things, oftentimes you're doing some hard things too long and it's strategically quitting that's going to make you very effective. Uh, Seth Godin's the book, The Dip, talks about this. It's really great on uh, to the degree you want to accomplish something beautiful in the world is to the degree it's going to be hard and to the degree the dip of persevering through the moment when it's not working is going to be you know, correlated to how hard it is of a thing you're trying to do. So if I'm trying to get to the point that I can do 10 push-ups, the dip is way different than being able to do 100 push-ups. 
and likewise what you try to accomplish in business and whatever. But after a certain point, you develop this muscle that knows how to be resilient. Oftentimes, then you'll see persevere pe- people persevere too long and they're not being courageous about the things they need to quit. You know, like resilience. Mm. I need, I got some work I got to do. Well, Chris, what are you what, thinking, Jimmy? Yeah, what, I mean, what, what role does a goal play, Chris? So, or a vision, right? Because, you know, when you're competing, there is a, there's a goal in mind. And if you're on a team, there's a shared goal. It may be the, to win the game, and then the vision may be to win the championship. You know, uh, when we're white-knuckling an experience like a roller coaster, the goal is just to get through it. But to what end? So how much does it, in your view, does it help to have a compelling reason, a compelling why? Um, and, and what are all the what are all the whys that what are the whys that help? What are the whys that don't help? Yeah. Well, the whys that help are the whys where you're past the need for your insecurity or validation. And the why is about the other. Um, that's, that's where the powerful moments happen. I'm not here to get something to affirm me that I belong, that I'm powerful, that I achieve, that I'm unique. I'm here to give something, help you achieve, help you become powerful, you know, all that. It's what a healthy parent would do. If the parent parents for their own affirmation and validation, or if they parent for the becoming and the development and the empowerment of that child. So once you've done the work on that why... And sometimes you're going to do that work through success. And sometimes you're going to do that work through failure. Depends on what shows up. Once you've done that work, then you reevaluate the goals. So when somebody goes, oh, my business failed. Oh, you weren't resilient. No, it's not that they weren't resilient. They just decided I'm going to stop paying the price for this business to succeed. I don't want to iterate anymore. I don't want to pivot. I don't want to go seek fun, whatever it is. I've had a business fail. I walked away from it. I was done. That just meant paying the price wasn't worth the, what the payoff was going to be. And I don't mean just economically. I mean, it wasn't aligned with my mission. It wasn't aligned with who I was becoming. With Sight Shift, it's different. It's like, this is the overflow of who I am. So I'm willing to pay the price necessary to keep going. So you get the why ordered. And then you're being honest about the price that you're paying. And as you get the why ordered and you get honest about the price that you're paying, that goal, that, that overall vision, and maybe that yearly goal or quarterly goal comes to, into a sharper focus. And that's when the alignment happens. And that's, that's when you look unstoppable. You look like Superman and the bullets can't stop you. But you already did that work before those bullets ever came. You know? You, you you put in the work, this internal mm-hmm. work, and you're dodging them or, or they're bouncing off of you or whatever the analogy is. That's how I think about it. And that's been really guiding for my for my life. When I meet with a business owner, they're like, well, my business might fail. It might. This team member might leave. They might. And if that's the goal, you know, there's something, there's some kind of ordering there. <clears throat> some work to do. Are you digesting, Jimmy, or you got? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it does raise a, it raises lots of questions, right? So for me, anyway. So one of the first things that I 
did when I hired my coach back in 05 uh, was, you know, work on a sense of purpose, right? So it wasn't really business context. It was just life. It was a life coaching experience. And, uh, you know, that when I was able to really define my purpose, it was, I was able to, um, I was, I was able to always be in flow, right? So I was in a situation where I would always know if I was compromising Mm. or tolerating. And yeah, if I had to do it, I had to do it because the goal, you know, because there was a bigger vision. We can't always do everything we want all the time, right? But sometimes you're willing to pay the price, as Chris said, to to get there. But, you know, so outside of business context, just having a sense of my purpose would always make sure that I was on purpose, therefore gave me that ability to be resilient uh, no matter what came up. But as, I, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking, though, you know, that purpose, it just can't be one purpose. Like, it can't be one thing that drives us, right? Because if I'm walking down the street and somebody, you know, a, a neighbor of mine stops me and chat, starts chatting me up and they start complaining about something mundane, but let's say like graduation this year for high school seniors wasn't ideal, right? Because of COVID and all that shit last year, the same thing, but they want to, if they choose to bitch to me about that for 10 minutes, like how do I show up there? Like that's going to require me to contextualize a different why, right? Do I just want to shut this person down? Just let them know what kind of an asshole I think he is because I don't agree with him, whatever you might be saying, or be patient because he's a human being who has a challenge and I want to be, you know, I want to show up and be and allow them to be who they are. Um, you know, that the decision I make, you know, in that moment is going to be based on another version of that why or another definition of that why. So this idea of being functional across all situations that I might encounter in my life becomes, you know, it becomes a little bit more complex than just this concept of like going from a, you know, a, a definition in a book about what resilience is to actually applying it in life. It becomes very complicated and it, and it becomes, you know, not just something you learn and put in the back of your mind and move on from. It's something you've got to practice and be willing to be bad at, right? And then work to be good at every day of your life. Well, let's add another layer of complexity to it. Uh, what if you're standing there uh, talking to him and you have 30 minutes to walk and, and contemplate and meditate and think and pray or just be or whatever. And, and you need that time because you're with a team for four hours or it's a part of your daily routine. Or how do you know if that is uh, a distraction that should be walled off from a healthy boundary you know, you're 30 seconds in, you're like, Bill, I'm sorry, man. It sounds like that was a rough weekend. I actually have to go. Um, or something you should lean into and be present. And this is where, I, have you guys seen the memes built around the intelligence bell curve? It's got the angry face, the person that's super, or it's got the simpleton face, it's got the angry face, and then it's got the Jedi face. I freaking love that meme because that is the beginner pro master meme. 
the beginner is stressing, the pro is complicating, the master is back into the simplicity of it. And for me, and I really want to be challenged on this, for me, life is not a battle between duty and desire. So this weekend was not a prime ideal weekend. It was full of a ton of activities for my daughter's high school graduation. And it had navigating some family drama that was not ideal or enjoyable that I would typically not expose myself to. However, in paying the price for the weekend, there were moments that were beautiful also, some moments that I could barely choke back tears and blah, 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 blah. It's a higher order desire. One of the chief desires of my life is to have an adult lifelong relationship with my children. I want to be a part of whatever level they want me to be a part. So doing this weekend the way that we did was playing into that greater desire. Greater than the desire for me to have the habits and routines that I enjoy having on a weekend. Greater than the desire that I have for being a competent, healthy teammate and responding back to Jimmy's email. Better than I have a, you know, so so I have, my life can be governed by these desires, but at certain points, it's intentionally knowing which desires win that I think for me adds a lot of meaning and resiliency. Mm. That's awesome. One of the things I get asked, uh, Probably most often when going through catching confetti with someone or, or talking about the, the concept of the seven mindsets is which mindset is most important? Mm. Are there any ones that, that we need more than the others? And what we've just experienced here in our conversation is like, they're all so interwoven, mm. you know, like how your resiliency, uh, how your vision, the visionary mindset can affect your resiliency. And mm. can affect your focus and can affect your relaxation, can affect your processes. Um, so I love that they all just, they all tie together and, and it's not one or the other. It's not a, really a hierarchy, but it's a, it's a perfect melding of, of all of them together to, to be at your best self. Um, so this is really cool how it came out just in our conversation. So aside from just as we wrap up here, Aside from going through catching confetti or figure that shift out and sight shift, what's like one small way someone can this week develop their resiliency? Because what you said, Jimmy, I think is is awesome too, that all the mindsets can be developed. It's not like you're born with them or or without them. Like you can grow in, in each of them and develop them. So what's one way, uh, a small step we can improve our resiliency? I'll go first just real quick. Quit for results, not for invalidations. Does that need more explanation? She's going to leave it. <laughs> oh, I just, you know, uh, if something doesn't give you the results you want and it's something that you don't have to keep doing, quit it. If it's a long-term thing that you want to figure out how to get the results you want, then stay at it. Uh, don't quit because you're invalidated. Don't quit because you're not heard, you're not paid attention to, you don't belong, you're not seen, your achievements aren't recognized, you feel lonely. Those aren't reasons to quit. Beautiful. Love it. Um, I think the thing that the first thing that came to me was this idea of living in the why, right? You know, Everything we've talked about, all the ideas around resilience come back to the why behind 
the resiliency. What are you after? Why? What are you being resilient for? Um, and um, the better you understand yourself, what's important to you, then the sooner you can begin respecting who you are and what's important to you. And the easier it'll be to be resilient when things come along that kind of that, that try to knock you off your path. It's awesome. Beautiful. Good stuff, guys. It's uh these mindsets are I feel like the bedrock of of high performance and uh, so much to uncover. So excited to go through these with you over the next few weeks uh, and see what more we find as we, as we dig deeper. So thanks for being here. I hope your brains were broken and your hearts were built and inspired. We'll see you next week.